Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Out of the gates and ready to go. Thursday edition OutKick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody. Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Trey Wallace joins us in 20 minutes. We discuss all things SEC football. We've got bowl games on tap as well. We'll preview those. One big thing on every NFL game. And a lot to discuss throughout with NFL and, and considering reviewing, uh, making the personal foul against the unnecessary roughness against the quarterback reviewable and uh, roughing the passer, which, I mean... Who knows what that is anymore? Reviewable. We've got Thursday Night Football tonight and much more. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. I'm excited about today's show. Excited to talk some college football with Trey Wallace. And we've got new people and new roles across sports today also. Yeah, so uh, last night you and I were speaking uh, with someone about when's the when is, when's NCAA going to make a move on Mark Emmert, who's set, set to step down this coming July. I haven't heard anything on this. Right, They're not even like a hot list. I haven't seen a a list of names of possible candidates. Yeah, it's really difficult to even brainstorm who would be great for this position, quite frankly, because the NCAA is more worried about being sued and losing than actually enforcing anything moving forward. And we know that the cat's out of the bag with with NIL and everything else, which is certainly crazy with the transfer portal right now. But, Chad, they're going with Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker as the next NCAA president replacing Mark Emmert uh, next year. And they're going the political route, I think, in part to help with some of the, the ideas put out there. They, they want to have Congress step forward and make some things happen and, and enforce some things uh, through the law instead of them trying to come up with their own plan moving forward. Such a weird couple days for the NCAA. Yes. The, the day before was the Sean Miller announcement where he doesn't face any penalties. Yeah. <laughs> Remarkably, you know, two of his assistant coaches get 10-year show causes and uh, two players that were ineligible in all the vacated games and not a single bit of punishment for Sean Miller. So he did a great job of showing plausible deniability and staying away from whatever was going on and pleading ignorance to it and said it was all of his assistants and he had nothing to do with it. And they bought it and he got nothing. And I'm glad, by the way, that they're not penalizing. There was already some self-imposed penalties and yeah. sanctions. I'm all for any program not getting hammered with future student-athletes or future coaches. Hammer the coaches that did the bad things. Do what you need to from a past tense. But I don't like going after the school moving forward when you got a bunch of student-athletes who had nothing to do with it. So... I have no big issue with that move by the NCAA. And then today, Charlie Baker is named the president. Now, if you're going to pick someone to govern something, mm -hmm. to manage something, I do not believe in picking politicians. Politicians typically, 
Sorry to offend people out there. They don't get much done. They're politicians. They're not workers. They politic. They play both sides of things. They politic to get things that they want. They're not necessarily producers all the time. Um, But you know who is? Governors. If you've got to pick a politician, governors have to run a state. They have to run a state budget. They have employees around them. They are basically the district manager of their state. So if you're going to go from public sector serving as a governor and you're going to go hire someone, I would look at governors first all the time. In electing a president, I'd look at governors, quite frankly, first because they've had to run something legitimately and it's not some middle manager type political role. So I don't have a problem with that with Charlie Baker. Something else that interests me about him, he's a Republican in Massachusetts. That's not a Republican state, but yet he is a two-term governor as a Republican in Massachusetts. That shows me that he knows how to get along with people that may disagree with him. He played basketball at Harvard. He holds a degree from Harvard and Northwestern. Not bad. So first blush, I see they're hiring a politician, and I think this is a bad move. But the more I look into it, I don't know that they could have done much better, quite frankly finding someone to lead the NCAA. Now, the big caveat to this is he's never done anything in athletic administration. The last time he was in athletics, he was a basketball player at Harvard in the late 70s. Well, where, where they're headed, the athletic administrations have no clue how to manage this. You know, The managers are actually outside of athletics. And you know, from NIL with the, the collectives, or in this case with everything going on with name, image, likeness, but also the transfer portal and how crazy things are going, how do you step in and actually, if you're going to have a quote-unquote salary cap, if five, ten years from now we're, ha- we're going to see a, a players association of some sort for college athletes or college football or sport by sport, how do you manage all that and have someone oversee it and actually bring two sides together and come up with a plan for something that's going to get crazier and crazier, more and more money. Um, but I, I mean, I, I would like to know who all was considered. I don't know if we'll ever find out the full gamut of that, but Chad, I think if, if you and I, we, we had the topic this past summer about who, who would be some names to throw out, I was trying to come up with outside-the-box ideas or different, different people who have been in different roles from you know the PGA to the NFL... Uh, a Kevin Warren of sorts, really, who has been inside of a front office, but has also been around in different roles in athletics and is now heading up the Big Ten. So, I mean, that's, that is more of how I would have gone about things. But at the same time, I mean, they're in a very difficult situation, no matter who they hire, on how they actually manage things in the immediate future and trying to process where they're going to be a decade from now. It's really difficult to figure out. That's why this news, to me, is not as important as if Charlie Baker comes in and decides we're going to start to elect a czar of each big sport that the NCAA is over, that's bigger news because then it's all about, well, who's over college football? Who's over college basketball? Because this is heading in a direction where the NCAA is still going to have a piece of the pie and they're still going to govern college sports to some extent. And they've got the tournament, the basketball tournament. But college football and college basketball, <laughs> it's reached a point where they need to break away. 
Yeah. They need to govern themselves. So I would, I would, Division one FBS level college football should have their own governing body. They should have their own president. They need to govern themselves. Maybe Charlie Baker gets closer to that type of situation where it's a little bit of uh, you know separate but equal well, in or, terms of we're going to separate you and you're going to do your own thing here and there's going to be different rules oh, for you as opposed to the rest of the NCAA. Or, or he can name, if he's the president, you can also name executive vice president of college basketball. You, yeah. know, you can you can have, uh, insulation's the wrong word, but everyone reports up to him, but you have different people in, in command of different sports. Yes. Right? Like an athletic department. Just just being honest about it and coming in and saying, oh, these two sports make all the money. So because of that, they're funneling in more money through it, and the rules need to be different from them as opposed to lacrosse or gymnastics or swimming for certain schools. So the we other- can put all of them in one bucket and then put – starting with football that needs to, to have some level of organization. Football in one, men's basketball in one, and then go from there. The other thing, Chad, like, how would we write, in a, in a sentence, what is his job description right now? I can't, like, I don't know truly what power the NCAA has in college football right now. I, the universities have the power. They can spend whatever they want to. I really think that his his, his role right now, his job description, is innovator. He's got to come in and completely change everything. But there's got to so, be an overhauling so, of the system. The other thing, though, and the overhauling of the system is announcing I'm over the NCAA. The NCAA can still have something to do with football, but we got to make separate rules for certain sports. So we need to hire someone over football. It's also interesting. Uh, he they're replacing a guy who's 69 years old with a guy who's 66 years old. And why does Charlie Baker want this job right now? Of all things you could be doing, what is it for a guy who hasn't been involved in the athletic department before? What is it about running the NCAA in 2022-23 that drew him to this position to, in effect, uh, replace a, I mean, a, a, a powerless Mark Emmert? If you really think about where they are right now, where they took a step back and said. Individual universities, you deal with it. Uh, threw in the towel. You're replacing a tap-out president of the NCAA with a, a governor of Massachusetts at 66 who says, yeah, I want this. And in his statement that he releases, he, I mean, the NCAA is confronting complex and significant challenges. I'm excited to get to work as the awesome opportunity college athletics provides to so many students is more than worth the challenge. I mean, that's a, that is an old-school approach to uh, mentioning the student athletes and the challenges involved. I mean, of course, but why do you take on this gig and what is it that's going to make him different than his predecessor? I think a couple things, power, money, and savior complex. Well, I, think, I think he believes I'm the guy who can come in and save this institution that I, I, I think is valuable and the guy before me wasn't any good at it. And yes, he didn't have any power, but I'm going to have all the power. I'm going to come in, I'm going to divvy some things up, and we're going to fix this, and I'm going to be the savior of the NCAA and college sports. But going back to my initial but thought But they know they're going to lose the lawsuit on that when he tries. Going back, though, to my initial thought on this, to do that, you have to save it by giving them some things up. Yeah. You cannot run college football anymore. You have to put that aside and make it a separate governing body. College football needs to be run like the NFL is run. Yes. It needs a central governing body over the sport. 
Men's college basketball, the same thing. You can continue to manage the non-revenue-generating sports across the country, the NCAA. You can run NCAA Division II and Division III sports, all of that, but you got to have help with football and basketball. And if he admits that, I think he could be a success. I, I mean, they need this to be a home run. In my in my vision of what the home run would be, it's not, you know, like a guy in his sixties is coming out of his final term as governor. You know, it's it and, and deciding to take over for Mark Emmert, who's five years older. Like that's that to me is not the description of what they need. They need more of a Charles Davis like guy. Yeah. Right? I thought of the name Charles Davis. Then they do. Charles Davis works for the. He he did work for the PGA Tour, but he's worked on the tour in media for the Golf Channel. He works for CBS, Fox. He's been involved in athletic departments and boards and discussion there. He's been considered for larger roles within university athletic department. That's more of a a a, a bridge to other things, and he's very involved. But see, in, I, I would rather have again. I'd rather have Charles Davis over football. Yes. I'd rather have Charles Davis well, as the czar of college football. I, 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 for my personal interest, if I'm Charles Davis, I don't want to oversee what's going on with the men's volleyball team at Penn State at any current time or what my Division II cross-country championship looks like. That's what the NCAA president has to oversee all of that. I'm more interested in Charlie Baker coming in and saying, let's hire a commissioner of college football and let's hire a commissioner of college basketball and separate those two that are making us so much money and that are paying so much money to athletes. Let's separate those two, write a new rule book that's smaller, and let's do some common sense governance of those two sports. And, and that's where I'd rather see a Charles Davis or an Oliver Luck or you know name that administrator, smart football person that could come in and do that job. I, I'm more interested in that move than I am Charlie Baker. And then figure out how you go about doing it. And maybe Baker then is the liaison to getting things pushed through a, a, a Congress where you can get some structure and some regulation, which we've also had uh, uh, congressmen uh, and women on to discuss the issues, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a very complicated time. And right now, it's, you know what's also funny about right that? Right now, it's just wide open. Well, if, if, if the thinking is, okay, we're going to hire someone who's a politician, who's a governor, uh, because they're going to be more adept at dealing with politicians because we need D.C. to figure this out. I feel like every time we have a D.C. politician on about this, it's also a lot of, well, they need to figure it out. You know, this is a private company. Like they, the, they shouldn't be bringing this to us to figure out. But the fear is, well, when this we get sued and it goes up to the Supreme Court, We've already or it been goes told. to Congress. So you guys need to set up the rules. No, no, you guys set the no. You set the rules. I feel like they're just shoving a wad of money over <laughs> each side and saying, how do we deal with this? How do we spend this and how do we govern it? Because we no longer know what to do. Uh, you saw him there wearing the free Brady shirts during the the Tom Brady suspension, um, with uh, and then that was also through uh, Barstool with the uh, Fire Goodell shirts as well. Yeah, that's how you endear yourself to your constituency. Yes, is you wear a free Brady shirt <laughs> in the state of in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick three sixty. Uh, coming up, Trey Wallace joins us. We'll get into the college football discussion. We'll reminisce some more about Mike Leach, who passed away earlier this week at the age of sixty one. Plus, um, Shane Beamer, he is set on convincing everyone 
the, uh, the hire of Dow Loggins, offensive coordinator for several teams in the NFL, where I, I'm not sure if Dow averaged an offense averaged more than 21 points per game. Um, I can go back and look at this as a play caller for him. Um, and they're bringing that up. And Beamer stands at the podium and starts listing off all of the, the people who would, would say that everyone that's unhappy with this. I've not heard this. I'm looking is, forward to hearing it, hearing this. You, you were describing it before. Like, I, I'm gonna, Davey, uh, here's our... I want to... The name drops in this clip we'll have with Trey. I want to try to keep up with how many names Beamer lists off in the, the hiring process for Dow Loggins, the new OC for South Carolina. Trey joins us. We'll talk bowl games and more. That's next on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience and VitalifeScience.com. Our trusted partner that keeps us at Outkick 360, mentally sharp, healthy, and it's with their supplements, their vitamins. They deliver supplements where you need them the most, your body. Vitalifescience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-Lifescience.com is where you can see more information. Our season ticket holders, if you're listening, you are one. You receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But here is Aurora unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, but there's so many more to choose from there that can assist you, that can help you. Uh, if High cholesterol, if you're a weekend warrior, they've got you at vitalifescience.com, V-I-D-A-lifescience.com, 15% off with the code OUTKICK360, vitalifescience.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. 6th and Peabody, our location. Outkick 360 rolls on Thursday edition. We'll talk some NFL and some other headlines coming up. Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. With Trey Wallace, we've got our uh, Outkick holiday party this evening. And Trey is apparently in Nashville. Trey, is it true that you're in Nashville right now and not in studio with us? How on earth could this be possible? Are you across the street right now? I'm actually not. I'm about... 15 miles outside of Nashville, trying to make my way in. They put, okay. you, in La- they put you in Laverne. Okay. Are you in Mount Juliet? Are you in my hometown? Is that where you are right now? I'm not at a hotel. I'm pulled off on the side somewhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> traffic traffic, traffic uh, got a little bit bad. Right. He's at Bucky's. That's where he is. <laughs> he's in, he's he stopped in Crossville on his way in to get that chopped yeah. brisket sandwich at Bucky's. That, Trey, that's you, what's going on. You can read Trey's work and uh, check out the Trey Wallace podcast all at outkick.com. Um, it, some great coverage uh, throughout the week. Uh, across the sports world and, and beyond uh, with the passing of, of Mike Leach, Trey. I, I'm curious, uh, the interactions over the years at SEC Media Days, post-game uh, access, all of it. What comes to mind when you when you think of Mike Leach, the coach? Um, a, just a man that knew exactly what he wanted out of life uh, to be a, you know, to, to go from potentially being a lawyer to a college football coach to a guy that just – he didn't care what you thought about him, you know, and, and that's the thing. He was going to tell you the truth, whatever that was. Um, this is a 
a human being that when you went into a press conference, you didn't know what to expect from him. Um, and, and also, when you look back on it, a guy that will be remembered for innovating college football. And, and, and when we think of the, the, the offense, you know, let's just say five years down the road, there is a game on a network and they start throwing the ball 45 times a game. And somebody says that word, man, air raid offense. What's the first thing going to come to your mind? It's Mike Leach. You know, it, it, it's different for some generations, guys, when it comes to how mummy, you know, compared to Mike Leach. But my generation, it's Mike Leach. And just a, a human being that was, he was going to tell you exactly what you probably didn't want to hear. And, uh, and, you, and, you, and you had to deal with it. And you had to like it. And, and you know what? He was funny. He was genuine. He was quirky. You know, Tennessee fans will remember him because going through the trove of messages where he was sitting on a park bench in San Francisco waiting for John Curry to show up where they can talk about the Tennessee job. You know, and, and the funniest thing was, was when he sent that text message, he's like, well, I'm in a park bench. Come find me whenever you're ready. And it's just like, that sounds like Mike Leach. That That's the great part about it. And he was just a... um a coach that will be remembered for a very, very long time. And he changed the way we look at Texas Tech, Washington State, and also the way we look at Mississippi State. Won't be forgotten. And now we, Zach Arnett is the full-time head coach for the Bulldogs. We discussed yesterday, and, and it was kind of thought it could go down this path. This made the most sense, and really it's – it's the option in a situation like this, and Arnett is able to keep things together as best he can in a situation like this. I thought it was a smart move. Why not? You have somebody on staff, um, somebody that's been under leads for three seasons now. Stick with that. Roll with that. Um, I think that's the biggest thing moving forward. I, I think that when you look at what Mississippi State's trying to do and and continue down this path, the biggest thing is they'll, they'll have an offensive coordinator um, I imagine it's going to run the same type of system. You've got the players that are already there. Zach Arnett's a proven defensive coach, and this is his opportunity now to shine as a head coach. I, I think it's big. I think, you know, a four-year deal, $3 million a year. Um, he, he's the youngest coach in, in, in the SEC behind Clark Lee now. Um, I, I It was a smart move. Give somebody that's an up-and-comer who's been around the game. Don't forget the nine seasons he was at San Diego State. You know, this is a great opportunity for him. And you know what? Some people were wondering why they moved so fast. You have to in this situation. you got to keep the university as stable as possible. And I promise you, Mike Leach has had that conversation with people around Mississippi State, and they knew who, who should probably be the successor to Leach because, guys, there were rumblings, and Mike Leach was talking about it. Do I potentially step down after the Egg Bowl? Uh, you know, just because of all the stress that had been going on in his life. So I promise you that conversation was had about Arnett. Trey Wallace with us, and Satterfield, uh, Marcus Satterfield out in South Carolina. Shane Beamer going with Arkansas Titans coach uh, Dow Loggins. And at the introductory press conference, Shane Beamer gave a 12-minute opening statement. And this is just a small piece of it where he is in a heated defense of why he hired and why 
Dow Loggins is the right hire for South Carolina right now. I read your article this morning, Gene, and that's great. I'm sure in your research, you did more than just say, well, I haven't heard of that guy before. Let me see what his stats said. Oh, well, he had a run as a coordinator in the NFL that maybe wasn't as successful that he wanted. So he must not be very good. Surely you did more research than that, Gene. And it's not just Gene. It's a lot of people. So surely everybody that wants to critique every hire that we make here, I'm sure you guys knew that Dow Loggins turned down a coordinator job in the SEC last year, correct? Everybody knew that, right? I'm sure you guys know that I'm the fourth SEC head coach that's reached out to him in the last two weeks about coming to work for him. So we were fortunate to hire Dow Loggins because there were a lot of other people that were interested in hiring Dow Loggins as well. I'm sure you guys reached out to Bill Parcells, who Dow worked for. Anybody? I'm sure the people on the outside, all the experts on social media, I'm sure they called Sean Payton, arguably one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time, uh, to talk to Sean Payton about Dow. I'm sure you reached out to Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. All those guys are guys that Dow worked for. Did you call Connor Shaw? <laughs> <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey coached out Dow coached Alshon Jeffrey with the Chicago Bears and I'll keep my conversation with Alshon private but it was pretty dang important pretty dang special what he told me I talked to John Fox former head coach of the Carolina Panthers Chicago Bears Denver Broncos about Dow Clyde Christensen current quarterbacks coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sylvester Croom longtime NFL coach who just went into the Hall of Fame for college football last week James Franklin current head coach at Penn State Stan Drayton current head coach at Temple University all people that he worked with or Dow was the coordinator for so we hired a big time coach there is shane beamer uh, courtesy of gamecock live there 12 was my count my oh. unofficial count of name drops i saw the people he talked night. to about about so dow loggins he's trying That's terrific. he's trying way too hard and again it was a 12 minute opening statement and he gives 12 name drops of people yeah. that he talked to in those 12 minutes what do you think about that trey i loved it i actually texted <laughs> shane last night we were kind of going back and forth a little bit i said i think you made your point shane uh, and he texts back, I sure hope so. Um, so it was, uh, no, it was, <laughs> it was a guy that he, he felt like because of the media coverage with Dow Loggins that he had to get up there and I can't, let's see the right word to use, be a smart aleck, uh, to the local media and to the folks that don't think it's going to work out. Hey, look, my biggest thing, and this is what I take away is, the guy's coming off beating Clemson and Tennessee. I know you got a couple of players in the transfer portal. Marcus Satterfield, the OC, wasn't working at South Carolina. Trust Shane. Just trust him. Know that he's going to go out. He's got the money. You know, they're going to go pay this guy a million dollars a year, and he's never been an offensive coordinator in the in college before. You know, so that that's a nice pay. That's a nice pay bump than what he was getting at, at Arkansas. And you know what? In this conference, you got to take some risk every now and then. And and this guy has been there before. He's coached up pro players before. Um, you know, I've, I've seen his offenses. That's not going to be what he runs at South Carolina. You know, he's going to run more the Kendall Browse type of offense that you've seen at Arkansas with K.J. Jefferson. So I think South Carolina fans were tripping out a little bit. That's one way to use it because they looked at this and they're like, wait a minute, why are we hiring a guy with only three years or two years of college experience? Come to find out, Shane Beamer did his homework, and he knew what he wanted to do, and if he thought there was a better hire, he'd have made it. 
Well, and I think a reason South Carolina fans may be freaking out a little bit over this, first off, it is funny when he references, oh, the research you did was his actual work as an offensive coordinator. That was bad. Okay. Sorry, Coach. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was referencing in my piece. Uh, What do you know that we haven't seen in those times where he wasn't a coordinator and all these great things happen? But it's the transfers. Um, They've got a big opportunity against Notre Dame in a big high-profile matchup against a big-time program. But these aren't guys leaving that weren't playing. You know, it's not understandable to know why. Why is Marshawn Lloyd leaving? Why is Jaheim Bell leaving? Austin Stogner, the, at least the first two, trade. these were big-time players for South Carolina that have hit the portal. Um, that's probably got Gamecock fans a little bit nervous. They should. With Marshawn Lloyd, yes, absolutely. Jaheim Bell, absolutely. Especially, you know, Bell ended up at Florida State. You know, uh, Austin Stogner. You know, two years ago, he couldn't wait to get out of Norman. Now he's going back he's to back. Norman. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, wait a minute, what happened here? Um, and that also kind of makes me think about Spencer Rattler, too. They were really close. Like, there's a reason why those two committed to South Carolina and went together. That, that's an interesting little thought process to think about what's going on with Spencer Rattler um, as well, if Stockner were to leave. But I agree. They've got to, they, they, they have got, some opportunities now to go fill those voids, but those are big losses heading into a game against Notre Dame where you're trying to cap off the season. So I get why fans are are upset about certain aspects of, of the program. I think, you know, the OC thing is a little bit different, in my opinion, than the, the transfer portal thing, but we'll find out soon how that's all going to play out. Trey, what is Florida's plan at quarterback in the bowl game? Uh. <laughs> See if they can find somebody out in Vegas that can complete a pass. Um, I mean, it it it's down to it, guys. Um, you know, you're you're without Anthony Richardson. Your other backups going to be doing twenty to twenty five. Um, you know, you've you've got Miller, Jack Miller, who was dealing with a um, thumb injury. You know, earlier in in, in the season. Um, so you're going to try to roll with him and see if it works. I mean that. Florida needs to win that game on Saturday. I mean, they they don't need to end the season with another loss. And I get it. You don't have a good amount of your players. Uh, you don't have Anthony Richardson at quarterback. But still, you're you're going up against a team that, that in my opinion, uh, you should beat. Now, I want to see how, how motivated Florida is, you know, to go out there and play. Do they just go on a vacation to Vegas for five days? Or are they going to go out there and actually play some football? Um, it, it, it's interesting to me. To see Billy Napier try to try to end this thing and get into the offseason. They've got some nice commits uh and work the transfer portal. But that game uh, on Saturday is is going to be entertaining. I, I look forward to to watching it. And I think that Florida needs to look, you got nothing to lose. Just start airing it out. I mean, you're going into this game. You can try to establish a running game, but look. This is a game Florida needs to win. There's a couple bowl games coming up with SEC teams that they need to have some good showings. And uh, you don't need to go into an offseason the way Florida's doing it right now. So a win maybe like put some gauze into the hole, into the bleeding, but it won't stop it. It's really, it's really interesting because they start the season as a point-and-a-half underdog to Utah, and now they will finish as 10-point underdogs to Oregon State currently in the Las Vegas Bowl. wild? Isn't that wild? I mean, we all thought, oh, it's this second coming of Florida, you know, when when they beat Utah, and now we see where they end up at. It, it it's wild. It's just wild. It's really tough if you're A and M 
and a big sales pitch to the fans was just hold tight. We just brought in the best recruiting class in the history of college football. When the next year, the entirety of that class, for the most part, mm-hmm. is gone after one year. And I brought this point up a lot, Trey, and I heard it. I think Tom Luganbill, who was on with us, pointed this out. you got to look at what motivates people. And if your sole motivation is money, and that's the player that you're getting and other guys are going somewhere else, that's not always a good thing. And that seems to be the case at A&M with some of these guys that they landed in this last recruiting class. Um, what do you think about those numbers? They're leading the SEC in the, in the portal with guys that have left and where Jimbo Fisher goes from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought going into the, the offseason that Texas A&M would lose 15 to 20 players to the transfer portal, and, it, and it's happening. I mean, and, and, and one way I look at that is look at the players that are leaving. Look at the class that they were in. You're seeing a good amount of the 2022 class uh, leave. I, I think, look, overall – I think Texas A&M will be fine because what they're going to do is they're going to fill those spots. If they have to, they're going to open their checkbook up again, bring in more players with NIL, bring in more players to play for Jimbo Fisher. But it's not the happiest of times right now in College Station. And that's what is really starting to bug me because they're in a spot. Like, what is progress next year? Progress, you know, Texas A&M expects to be playing for a playoff spot. They don't expect to be, okay, we're good with seven or eight wins. You know, and I think that is where you have to kind of draw the line when you are players coming into this program and the expectations right now. There is no doubt that the Board of Regents, Ross Woodard, the athletic director, they want to be in the playoff conversation, you know, SEC title time, that time of year. But unfortunately, you're you're sitting there, and your your biggest win of the season came against LSU to wrap up the year. Who got beat by Georgia? I just feel like this program right now is kind of hanging on that ledge of being okay. Maybe we turn this thing around, or the whole thing just falls off. And I feel like that's where up because the expectations are so high, guys. Like next year should be 11, 12 win season to fans. But what if they come out and they only win seven to eight games? You're going to call that progress because you only won four damn games this year. Yeah. But it's not progress. So they have got to fill that roster back up, I think, with some more talent. And I think with NIL, I think a lot of players went there. And I don't want to speak for players, but in talking with some coaches, a lot of players went there to cast a check um, and, and not to play football. And they've come to find out, well, hell, if I'm not going to play football, I can't be here, so i got to find somewhere else to cash a check. That's what NIL is is completely changed this thing up, and Texas A&M was just taking the brunt of it at first. Trey, I think Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina is the best quarterback in the transfer portal right now. I saw where he's visiting Auburn, and that immediately had my mind thinking, if you're looking for a quick turnaround in year one for a coach, Hugh Freeze paired with Grayson McCall – Auburn could be pretty good in year one if they can if they can make that happen. What, what did you think when you saw Grayson McCall visiting Auburn and Hugh Freeze? I thought to myself, why are you leaving Coastal Carolina? You know, you've been a quarterback that's been kind of hurt. You know, for the last he's took some took some some injuries the last two years. Um, look at this past year. Um, why are you leaving a place? I immediately thought Trey he might be going to follow his coach to Liberty. 
Hugh Freeze's previous well, job when he entered the portal mm. because Jamie Chadwell exactly. left for Liberty. Well, exactly. Um, but if you're going to go to Auburn and you're going to try to – you're going to take a visit to Auburn and you're trying to build up those expectations as a quarterback and go try to win a championship, well, do you really think you're going to win a championship or do you just want to be coached by Hugh Freeze for one year? Like, that's my biggest thing. What is one year under Hugh Freeze going to do for you for the NFL draft that you just maybe you couldn't get done by sticking out another year or going to Liberty with Jamie Chadwell? Like that's so I, I look at it and I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe this works out. Maybe, you know, if he goes to Auburn, he likes it. Maybe he plays for Hugh for a year. But then I wonder. We saw flashes from Robbie Ashford last year, Auburn's quarterback. So, you know, where does it lie in the middle of what the quarterback situation is going to be? So, you know, in my opinion, honestly, I'd have told the kid, man, don't leave where you were king, where you can make the NIL money, where you can do what you need to do in this life. Because we don't know if this guy is going to be an NFL quarterback or not. So why why take that risk? That's the biggest thing that stands out to me. But um Hey, we'll, we'll find out soon. I would expect that he commits sometime in the next two weeks. Check out the Trey Wallace podcast at Outkick.com. You can read his work there as well. Trey, thank you as always, man. We will catch up soon. Always great insight. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, see you boys tonight. Thank look, you. Looking forward to it. There's Trey Thanks, Wallace, Trey. Outkick.com, and, uh, of course, our SEC uh, insider there for the site. Coming up, it is the war of attrition across the NFL. There are the haves and the have-nots in terms of injuries. And there is a uh, there's some details we're bringing to the table for you that will show exactly who's in great shape as they are trying to push for a postseason berth and who's way on the opposite end of things. That's next on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Turn it up, Chad. Out Turn 360 it up. rolls on. Little uh, Leonard Skinner coming back. So the one thing you. I don't know, whenever we're playing Leonard Skinner, is it on the video as well? The video stream, it's not. No, so just, what we're referencing, the people watching have no idea. I but think, on radio, turn it up. I think it's like a silent disco, right? You know, we're nodding Maybe. our head, and we're <laughs> clearly listening to something in our, in our cans, <laughs> and uh, they don't know what it is, so, Maybe we, so we just describe it. What if I came back from break for our viewing audience – and not our radio audience, and saying the song that was coming back. That way they could get a little flavor for what people on radio are hearing. By the way, big thanks to our radio affiliates. We don't say it often enough, but all of you that are carrying Outkick yes. 360, we thank you for jumping on board Six early. States. Six Staying states. with us often. Cheers to you. We cheers to you. This water that I have in front of yep. me. Hutton and I cheers. Thank you so much for your support. We tonight, appreciate it. Tonight, Chad will turn that water into wine, and we'll celebrate Christmas. <laughs> we, think, we think so. <laughs> I don't want to go to that level of blasphemy, Hutton. I am not Jesus, I promise. Um, but yes, there will be wine in a cup tonight. I'm, I can guarantee All you right. that. Not in my cup, but someone's cup at the holiday party will have wine in it. 
But serious thanks to all of our radio affiliates. Mangameslost.com put this out. And Davey, if you'll move the screen up here so we can, uh, we're going to be able to see this. It's small uh, dots here. Um, yeah, we need the larger screen, please. Uh, no, the big the screen on the wheels. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Um, look where the Tennessee Titans are in players that are current that have missed games due to injury and injured reserve. Games missed by players due to injury. The Titans are by far the team that has missed the most players weekly due to injury. But look at Kansas City. Look at Jacksonville. Philadelphia. The the teams that have not had many injuries are incredible to me based on where they are. Jacksonville should be winning more games than they have. I have such a hard time reading these. (laughs) Just when it goes the vertical and the horizontal, because I'm like looking. Well, so am I looking up or I'm looking left or right? Am I looking down? Um, based on all the total players, games, I see that Kansas City's around and between wins. 75 and 100. Yes, yes. I mean, that, that, that's not many at all compared to the rest of the league. But the war of attrition is this: it's right in the center, it's right in the heart of all the injuries. So you've got most of the teams packed together. And that's where the, the final four weeks really play a factor in this. Who's going to be the healthiest going into the postseason and playing at the top level? Can it be a team like Cincinnati, who's around the, you know, the rest of the league in terms of game missed due to injury? The war of attrition and making sure that your quarterbacks are as close to 100% as possible. But the Titans on the far end for the second year in a row, I don't know how that you've had this this much bad luck, unfortunate luck, or maybe it is something to do with the the training regimen. I have no idea, but th- it continues any, to happen. I think anytime there is a soft tissue problem, it is fair to question strength and conditioning with a team. I think when someone gets blown up and they're knocked out unconscious, you know, Traylon Burks has nothing to do with strength and conditioning, as an example. There are other yeah. issues, uh, the Taylor Lewan stuff. I mean... If what he is saying is true about the surgery done by team doctors wasn't quite successful and it never really healed, he had to go get a second opinion and then go get another operation, well, that's a reason to question the whole system for one team with the Titans. I I can't look at that chart, though, Hutton, and see that one team is a big outlier with that many and just simply chalk it up to bad luck. Right. There's a lot of bad luck that goes into it, no doubt. For the what I just examples I just used, if you get knocked unconscious, not a strength and conditioning issue, but at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, what what are we doing wrong? Because no one else is having this level of injury issues, and if you're the Titans, that time has come to look in the mirror and ask those questions, right? I saw this on social last night. And I was what? You got to be kidding me! Mangameslost.com keeps up with the injuries, and then. They do a what a website name. They have mangameslost.com. Cumulative quality of injured players for all games based on win loss record. Uh, and so look at the look at the bad teams. I thought you got this from Manscaped when you first Manscaped. said the thing. Yes. Like, wow, I didn't Manscaped. know they. Yes. I didn't know they followed this level of data. Yes. Uh, so Jacksonville poor record, but they're playing better. Houston, Chicago, Indianapolis, Green Bay, all of them have had relatively. Small, uh, a small portion of their roster has missed due to injury, but yet the, the, the record does not reflect that. Meanwhile, Kansas City and Philly, they have had great success at keeping their players healthy to this point, and they have great records, along with Buffalo, Minnesota, Cincinnati, again, right in the middle of the league, Dallas, San Francisco. San Francisco's had injuries to some key players, 
but the majority of their roster has been playing every week or has made it through to where they're at least somewhat capable of playing for you in some capacity that week. I'm fascinated by the bad teams, though, that can't point to injuries for why they're bad. And that, to me, that's where you point to the, the roster itself is just poor. And well, also the good teams that have had awful injuries. And the first one that I see on the list, well, two, Seattle and Baltimore. Yes. With a bunch of injuries. They're, they're bottom eight to ten in the league yes. in terms of injuries, and they're good. Hit us up with your thoughts there. Outkick 360. I, I, I don't want to be the guy who has to keep up with the, the math on this and keep up with all the players that miss. You don't want so to be working at manscaped.com. I'm very thankful. Uh, I'm very thankful for uh, those that do have to keep up with this on our behalf. So, um, for the betterment of the show of and man, sports media. Mangameslost.com is that website, right? Yes. Um, Adam Silver, a report that just came out, he wants at least one man lost from the NBA. I'll, I'll explain. Uh, when okay. we come back in the next hour. But this is a very interesting story that just dropped from Adam Silver and what he wants for the NBA mm. mo- moving forward. I need to, uh, I can't wait to find out who this is. Also, there is a coach on the move. He was rumored to an SEC program. He's a head coach, by the way. It's a step down. And he's. It's a guy who, who will, willingly took a step down. This is odd especially to where he's headed, right? Like, it's not where, it's not the SEC. But it's Sin City. <laughs> well. <laughs> Could have had something to do with it. I'll visit there we'll, for three we'll days. We'll explain what we're talking about, I too. It may, it may make a little more sense.